0: Hello and welcome to the Heads and Volleys podcast with me, Lee Dunn. Today's episode is focused on the grassroots youth player. We start with the very young players and you'll see many programs out there now that are offering soccer to two-year-olds, three-year-olds and all the way up. Today I have a very special guest, his name is Tom Schutt, he is the pre-academy director for Napa United, he works primarily with the 4-10 through year olds within the club and the idea is that he prepares them, he prepares their coaches to move into the academy as they move up in age. Tom has worked with these players for a long time and I think this is such a special age group to be working with. And often you'll find that clubs will put just a willing person to work with such a young age. But Tom is a real specialist at working with this age group. And that's why I think it's really important that what he has to say here is broadcast. Because he mentions a lot of quality things that you can bring into your practice with these youngest players. And it's still applicable across most ages too. But working with the youngest players is a real, real skill. And I'm really excited to present what we're talking about. But before I do, I want to share with you the tactical pad software that I use. I use it to create the animated GIFs that I then show the players. And with a lot of these players that are super young and super engaged in technology, it's a fantastic way just to spend five minutes of putting it together on the on the app and then showing the players and say, look, this is what you can do. Head over to leadonsoccer.com and you'll be able to pull up the tactical pad information right there follow the link you get 10% off any subscription that you purchase but it's a fantastic tool to show to your players you can check me out at lead on soccer on twitter and you'll see a lot of the videos i put together will include the active gif and then i will combine it with some footage of the players actually playing so they can see themselves versus the gif and it works with some of the older players but for younger players too they're thrilled to see themselves in action and that's something that they never see so a huge thanks to Tactical Pad for their support. And into the show we go with Tom Schutt, the Pre-Academy Director for Nappy United. All right, Tom, welcome, mate. Hello. Glad to be talking with you.
1: Yep, it's good to be.
0: <laughs> so you are the director for the Pre-Academy for Nappy United. Yes. So, How long have you been
1: doing that for? Uh, two years. Two years. Going now. into my third year. And that's four through ten-year-olds. Four through ten-year-olds. So any kid in our club academy or recreational any kid who's four to ten gets a professional coach
0: so when you're working with that well let me ask you first actually these kids are playing and do they have volunteers that are coaches as well or is it a professional coach within the club
1: um so they would have a volunteer if they're in rec they have a volunteer coach who would be who would be who I will oversee and look after and also go to their sessions and make sure you know they're doing the sessions, and also I would probably jump in a session every now and then. I try to get around to every rec team, but with my own practices and everything else, it's difficult. but yes, they will have a volunteer rec coach.
0: So let's start with the recreational side then. Do you have um, like goals for them working with their teams for the season? Is there like a specified outcome or an objective for each
1: player or for each team? Yes, it's not, as, it's not as laid out as most clubs. It's pretty basic. We just want every kid between 4 to 10 to be comfortable on the ball, to take a touch or not take a touch or be comfortable in, in uncomfortable situations. That's the outcome. And that takes lots of ball mastery sessions, one v ones, two v twos, and just basically having them with the ball at the feet twenty four for for the duration of the session.
0: And they practice sixty minutes,
1: ninety minutes. Uh, sixty minutes or an hour, hour and fifteen, so seventy-five minutes. Um, do you have like what a, a typical
0: structure is for that session? What that would uh, be like?
1: first fifteen minutes is a. They're just an arrival game. They just turn up and, and play games, small-sided 3v3s or 4v4s. So first kid arrives, second kid arrives, 1v1, 2v1, 2v2, all the up to 4v4. And um, We probably have three or four fields of that going. Uh, after the first 20 minutes, coach brings them in, sets them, gives them expectations, maybe has a bit of a fun dynamic warm-up with, with the ball, without the ball. That might take 10, 15 minutes. Then we're into our little 1v1s. And from that we'll go back to our 3v3s But we might have that little conditions on there Where you might have to If you score a goal on another player Running or kicking over a cone Next to the goal Then you might get an extra point um, Based on what they've been working on But it's not not too tactical obviously It's mainly just A very quick session with the ball As many touches as possible Small-sided games and how often do they practice? They'll practice twice a week. Okay. Um, this year our rec teams are going to have twice a week with an option of, th- of a third session, which will be with me. And it'll just be a drop-in session where I, we might just work on the Croy term for, for two sessions, two Fridays. And so this year it will be two and then an option of having a third. At s- and that's no, no rising costs. We just feel we need to give them an extra day. So with those
0: volunteers, do you give them session plans? Do you give them like a structure or is it kind of a way you
1: go? And- yep, we give them a structure. We give them an idea of what we expect from the session. There is session ideas. We have lots of communication between our coaches, a bit of a forum. Uh, we use WhatsApp a lot, um, coach groups, and we share ideas. We say things that don't work, um, but we give probably – there's probably about – eight to ten core one V ones which which, you know, three sixty pressure and, and whatnot. Um but we tend to have tend to have make them make them understand that, like I said before, how the session works, it's quick, lots of touches on the ball. But at the same time we wanna we don't want to take away too much from the coach. Make them it's their journey. There's no right away wrong with coaching as long as the kids are enjoying it and they're improving. So yeah, eight to ten core practice sessions, one V ones that we wanna put in there but Most of it, as long as the kids are all moving and they're active, then we're happy with that. So,
0: (laughs) given that most of these volunteers are probably parents and coaching their own kid times 10, Mm -hmm. because that's how many they have in their (laughs) roster, what do you, when you first meet them or when they first take over or pre season,
1: what advice do you give them to a parent coach? Yeah, you are just a vessel, like you literally. Pick the kid up, drop the kid off. Your practice, you can't say anything to them. It's a real, it's a, it's a really challenging thing, a parent coach, um, because it's their journey, it's their sport. Yes, you're the coach, but it's it's them doing it. Um, so I always say to the to the coaches, you don't really coach your kid. They're just there. If the kid, if your kid asks you questions on how to improve, then of course you're there for them. But in regards to coaching them, you just it's. My best advice is just to let the kid be on its own journey. In an, ideal, an ideal, world, a, ideal world, at a certain level, you wouldn't have a parent coach. You know, At the club level, we tend to pull those coaches away from their kids. Rec level, you, sort of, you can't get away from it. But yeah, you're just a vessel. You open the door, well done, good job, To get some ice cream, and that's it. There's no, there's no constant coaching or <laughs> coaching your kid in particular as you're on a session. Let them be, it's their journey.
0: I know from my own experience where you'll be talking to a parent who is a coach and they're so conscious about their own kid, they're either really focused on coaching them without realising or they're super focused on not coaching them at all yeah. and then the kid thinks that their dad hates yeah. them because he never talks to them at practice.
1: Yeah, Or their kid is really good and their kid does everything. It's like their kid's the captain, their kid takes the corners, she's everything, Um uh, yeah, we do. We, we kick the ball this way. It's, it's one <laughs> or two ways. They're fine. It's it's, no, it's tricky.
0: So then, do you think for these players that are joining together, you made a good point there about how, especially recreational, some are really good, some are developing. And for a lot of organizations, you get a, a mixture of kids that are put together and now suddenly they're a team. Mm-hmm. Do you have what do you recommend for coaches if you've you ever been in that situation and I'm, I'm sure you have yeah. with mixed ability players? How do you deal with that with a
1: with yeah. that group? Very, tr- it's very tricky. Um, it's remain absolutely positive throughout. You know, if if a kid is not getting success in the session that you want, you have to nurture that child. Maybe pull them aside, um, give them some advice, be. Uber Uber positive throughout the session with those kids. Um and on those top those top players who, who are doing well, who find who find it easy, you might want to put restrictions on them where it's minimum touches, um you have to connect three of three passes or you put restrictions on, on those top players. So therefore you are pushing the top players, you're giving them a challenge at the same time. You are nurturing those ones um who 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 are finding it hard, but the biggest advice, like any kid, if you are positive, then it releases endorphins and they're happy. The moment you you are negative because they can't do it, or you're or you're trying to be be that coach who, yeah, good job, come on, and you're you pushing them a little too hard. Just remain calm. You know, it's their journey. Is some kids take it take it quicker than others, but just be positive with them and. Uh, Eventually they will get it The moment you start being flustered Or they see you being flustered with them Kids kids aren't stupid They'll, they'll pick up on that So just remain positive And hopefully that kid will, will turn around But I say to my, most of my club coaches on, on, the, on the bronze side That you're only really as good as your, as your weakest player On the club side Rec level it's, it's whatever it's, it's, it's rec But on the club side You have to work with those lower kids more Because mm-hmm. you're only as good as your weakest player At, at, at the club level
0: so I experienced the same thing a few times where, and actually had several discussions, and my experience is when you have a divide and level in the team, there's a, a kind of a, a mixed idea of whether you should put the developing players with the developing players, yeah. and then the better players with the better players, or do you mix it up so that you can almost create role models or yeah. create different experiences for those players that are really developing to play with a really good player? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure if you or I play with Messi, we might be a little better than we would be <laughs> if we play together, for example. Yeah. I think I, your skill level
1: might bring me down a little bit. And so, 100%. Maybe, yeah, I, I 100% <laughs> agree with what you're saying. And I think as coaches, we should always be watching our players and assessing and seeing what's going on. That's, that's coaching in a nutshell. I find with young kids, um, kids are inconsistent. Maybe it's in their behaviour. One day they're good, one day they're bad, and that can fluctuate throughout the day. If you have a weaker kid who is on fire that day, um, or in the game they're on fire, keep them in there because that's that peak performance time where they can really take that next step in development. So if a kid is on fire, you know that kid who doesn't quite can't quite control the ball well, but for that one day in practice or in the game they're on fire, keep them in there. If in practice they're doing well, maybe bump them up to the to the faster or the better the better level um, because kids can be inconsistent. Sometimes your best players can have an up, a bad day, so maybe you want to bump them down or whatever. And you must always be constantly watching your plays and assessing because kids, like I said, are are inconsistent in their performance and behaviour. I think the
0: key point is watching, mm-hmm. right? Is assessing yeah. and. I think a lot of coaches worry so much about the actual practice that they're running, and they find things online, and they may see, oh, do that today, yeah, yeah. You pass around here, and you score here, and you get ten points if you do this. And there's so much confusion for these kids, that, or for the coach even, that they forget to actually watch that their players are doing it. And often there's so many rules, correct. And that's why correct. I think when you you follow mm-hmm. the 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 kind of whole part whole or play, play practice mm-hmm. play model, where you play for a lot of the practice the game is very simple Mm. and you can then watch these players Mm -hmm. learning and playing
1: assessing watching yes it's it's massive
0: so i think you are probably one of the best coaches i've ever seen working with really young players what what's in your mind when you're about to walk into a group of players whether it's in a school or on a a field with a group of teams like what do you have constants that you're always using what are your key skills would you say for Um, working with those players
1: I always I think at that level it's you've got to put yourself in the kids shoes um, I always remember when I was when I was really really young I went to see one of my dad's friends um, who was a, a golf a golf professional and um, I was really nervous he was with my dad's friends and he knew me and he and he, he made me feel so um, comfortable on the welcome like hey Tom how are you give me a massive high five got down to my level on my eye level and from that moment, I felt all the nerves went away and I was like, oh, I feel relaxed. And that moment hit stay with me forever. So whenever I coach young kids, I want that first interaction mm-hmm. to be over positive, make them smile. If they give you a high five, maybe just go, got, ah, you know, like, ah, that hurt me, and the kid smiles. Get them to, to smile and sort of relax a little bit in those first five, 10 minutes. The initial, the initial point of contact with a kid is, is, is vital. Get down on their level, be so they can see you in the eyes. On their knees, roll around in the grass. Make a fool of yourself. Um, they're the things I I always try to, to to do when I'm coaching young kids. I think there's a couple of boxes I look for. Make sure it's fun. Make sure the kids are enjoying themselves, and make make them feel that like they are improving. The two massive things that I I try to do in those sessions. Um, I don't tend to talk too much. It's more shouting and copying and rolling around initially. For example, the kids might have to throw the ball in the air and clap with their hands four times. I might do that twice and then on the third time miss it and fall over and sort of break those boundaries a little bit with the kids. And then maybe we might introduce some more difficult ones as we go along. But it's the constant high energy throughout the session. Um, Most most of the younger ones, it's normally forty-five minutes to an hour. That's Normally, what how long you got them for anyway? Especially if you're looking at the fours and sometimes three year olds, it's definitely forty five, maybe even forty minutes. But it's your high energy throughout. Um, put yourself in their shoes um, and relate relate it to yourself. If you go to work and your boss is, you see your boss and he's going and she's gonna say, "We're working on our Excel spreadsheets today could you turn two page." I mean, they've, <laughs> they've lost they've lost the audience. But <laughs> hey, hey guys, how are we doing today, It's just you've <laughs> got to change that. Change that mindset for the kids. Lots and lots of energy. Um,
0: so then, what about as you go to kind of seven, eight, nine-year-olds? Because it, it tends to be a little bit more serious. Correct. They're they're a little more too cool for school, if you yep. like. The, this coach is a bit silly. I don't know what he's doing out here mm-hmm. now. So then, what do you what do you take to those sessions?
1: Um, energy still got to be high. Still got to be positive. Um, those kids, you know, because they are sort of cool. They're a little more hipper. You sort of got to break them down, make them feel laugh. You know. You know, sometimes if if a, if call the kids in and the kids last, they might have to sing Jingle Bells. You know, all the kids might do a little bit like, and the kids got to <laughs> sing Jingle Bells or do a dance. If two kids are messing about, you know, make it fun. You might have to do a little serenade dance together in the middle. Um, right? Though, I mean, high energy. Obviously, you can't be as silly or or as daft as you were with the younger ones, but you still got to remain that little bit of a character and that counterweight between those cool kids to make sure that everyone's sort of together as one. Um,
0: I think from my, from my own experience that there has to be a crossover, right? That you go from that Mr. Silly to still silly but serious. Make them, feel to...
1: like, make them feel like they are, your, that they are your best mate, but at the same time you can just go, hey, give them a look, and then that's it. They whip, they whip them back into shape. Because like, those, those kids will take liabilities, won't they? They if will you, if, absolutely if, yeah. If, if, you, if you feel you've got too much rope. But um, the moment the moment you feel as a coach that they step to the line, make a point of that, um, you know, that it's hey, I'm in charge here.
0: Now do you think and I think I probably know the answer because I have experienced the same too, that a lot of the time you might find kids will and the youngers, seven, eight, nine, they'll mess around, they'll pick on each other or they'll have issues when they're not Completely engaged, or they're not listened to in a practice. So, you put five, six, seven, eight year olds in a line of 10 kids, the back two are already fighting by the time they get to the front for their turn to take their go of whatever yeah. that session is. And so, I think it's really important that coaches know how to reduce a lot of those issues because you can be fun and you can have high energy but if your kids are standing in a line Correct. they're not really going to have a good time and they're not going to come back yeah. and I think that kind of goes back to the measurables a lot of people want to find what the measurables are can a kid do this skill this skill this skill, this skill? but that's not really what we're looking for no. we're looking for these kids to be able to play the game and enjoy it you talk about ball mastery but there's no specifics and then do they love it? Do they mm-hmm. want to keep playing? Do yeah. they take the soccer ball with them on vacation? Do they wear their soccer team jersey to the store? Do they wear it on a Monday, even though they wore it Saturday and Sunday in mm-hmm. games? And yep. this is what I think is really important for these kids. And as a coach, you can really encourage that with a, an engaging and fulfilling practice. It's,
1: it's like anything. If you, if, if you have a passion for something, like you know your hobby might be gardening, you might like gardening, you are gonna read about Garnin, you're gonna watch TV shows about it It's like a kid with soccer If you give a kid a passion for soccer you you're already halfway there because they are they're gonna go home they're gonna watch it if you if you talk about soccer you send them video clips and you feed that fire with information th- through emails to the parents or telling kids hey you remind me of this soccer player and send them a YouTube link If you give a kid a passion for it through your sessions, Make them feel that they're enjoying it, and make them feel that like they're improving. Give a kid a passion for it, and that's it. You've you've nailed it. Because then, if a, if little Johnny says to his mum, "Hey, I want to go to the park and kick a soccer ball," you know, I'm pretty sure that mum's going, "Yep, drop everything and take him out there." And and there you go. They're already improve, They're already doing it outside of outside of uh, of practicing games.
0: I think that's so true. Because think back to when we were growing up playing. Mm-hmm. You play in the street all the time. I constantly talk about the games we made up. Yeah. this podcast is Heads and Volleys. <laughs> yeah. Because of the game we made up yeah. <laughs> where you can only score with a head so or a volley. So many
1: hours. And so many hours playing it. If games.
0: you can and you're right, you ignite that passion. You they want to play. They want to be better. Mm-hmm. They want to and they love playing because of your your influence. I think you've really done your job. So then a question on um Like homework. So you kind of mentioned, hey, you remind me of Messi. I really want you to watch a couple of videos of him. Mm-hmm. We just watched a video before coming on here for, of his hat-trick goal, yeah. where the opposing fans are cheering him. Not only are you seeing this amazing soccer player and the goal he's just scored and his role, but then you're also seeing this sportsmanship example too. Yeah. So do you, do you give your players anything particular? Do you give like players in the recreational program of Napa United, do you say, hey, everybody should be watching this? Or do you like yeah. do you share stuff like so that? We,
1: um, the great tool on the iPhone is screen screen recording. So you know on Twitter you can pull a lot of videos of little gifs of players doing skills. Um, with my club teams, my 9 boys, I'm a mixture of seven, eight, nine, ten year olds. If we're working on uh, um, playing out from the back, for example, and, and ways to different ways to play out, and I, we see something good at the weekend, like Leeds United this year, been great with Bielsa. So it's a great clip just to reinforce that to see professionals doing it um and sometimes if we have our game recorded on it's not every game but some games if our games are recorded um and we play out from the back in those moments where we i sort of like to sn- take a snippet of that and then clip it with the clip i sent out to say hey look this is similar to what <laughs> the professionals are doing like you know it could be like a 30 second clip yeah you know, but you clipped it together and it sort of connects the two. Oh, look at that, that's the professional team doing it and we are doing it. I don't I don't think there's any kid in the world who wouldn't get a buzz off that or again, just to see themselves Oh my goodness, we're doing the same as them.
0: I publish a lot of video two I have a GoPro just put it on the stand
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: I'll pick a skill like the Cruyff yeah. or I'll do something silly like around the world and I'll just do these flicks and then I record it and I put some cool music on it and then put it on YouTube Nailed it. Yeah. send it to my <laughs> players and say can you do this yeah. send me a video back of you doing this yeah. or how many times can you do it or anything like that that just encourages them to go and play elsewhere. yeah
1: just, just giving them the incentives to get outside and do something you know do, you doing a around the world in your lounge you know, while the TV's on, you've got no excuse. You've got the space to go and do something.
0: So, then I think my, one of my last questions, and something that I think we could probably talk about for a long time, is the focus for kids that are playing at these young ages, this four through 10 year old window, and the team philosophy, and everybody involved in the game at this age. What's the focus? are we in it to win? Are we in it to lose? Are we in it for development? And if we're in it for development, what does development look like? Mm-hmm. Like what are we saying? Because you, I think the hot thing is player development. Correct. That's the great that's thing. The, that's
1: the topic, but what, well, that's the headline, but what does it mean? For me, I, every session I do, every kid I work with, I want to make that kid the best soccer player in the world. I want to make that kid the best version of themselves on and off the soccer field. Um, at these younger ages... Um I think we it's it's results result it's not a results driven business at this age. Um but you also at the same time you have to harbour a winning mentality. We want kids to go into a game, whether you're um six, seven, eight or whatever, to go and want to win the game, to have that passion, that not to give up, um, to play strong, to play hard, to do your job, um, even if you're losing and you now got a chance to win. To do your job right to the end, to harbour a winning mentality. At the End of the game, it's whatever. Win, lose, draw. It doesn't matter. It's done. Great job today. Blah blah blah. This, this, and this. Great. All positive. Um, obviously, as they get older, that that winning mentality would turn into okay. We must you know. We must win this game, or we've got to win this game. But you have to harbour a kid's winning mentality. I, when I initially started coaching, I felt you know I I got the fun. Down, I nailed that bit, but I was looking at my players going, you know, these just seem to crumble in games. So, you know, making sure, hey, boys, like, you are here, you're here to win this game. We haven't, your parents haven't travelled here two hours for you to not want to win the game. If you don't win it, or if you lose, or you draw, or whatever, that's fine. That's all positive because, end of the day, we've come out here, we've played soccer, you've been with your mates, you've played a sport that you love. And we haven't got the win No one asked Steph Curry how many basketball games he won at 8 No one asked Leo Messi, Hey Messi how many games did you win when you were 9 It's irrelevant All those all those games that he's played He's now, it's obviously serving him well So at this age Play development to me is Making the best possible player you can um, Looking at a player individually you know, if this player is naturally a defender, make them the make them the best possible defender on and off the field. You know, committed, shows resilience, compassion, good on the ball, love likes to tackle. Um, and then once you have that winning mentality, I then pass it on to the academy director and takes it to the next level where he harbors that. You know, a bit more of a weapon on the field. Brilliant.
0: Um, so, any uh, anything to add? Any anything from you anything that no. you
1: think is really important no I, th- or not? I, I think a lot of coaches at this level don't understand the impact that they have on kids I think the big thing I always look, I, I always believe in is you are more than just a coach um, so when you are co- when you are working with these kids enjoy it you are in a very lucky position that you have been trusted to coach these young children these young adults who you are shaping to be a, a good person on and off the field um but that's that's the key. It's you are more than just a coach. If I asked you who won um, the Super Bowl in 1984, you would you wouldn't know. If I asked you who won it in 2006, right? But I asked you who would who was your favourite teacher when you were at school. You could probably name it very quickly because they made an impact on you because they 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 made you they give you a passion for something. Mine was a PE teacher. Like, I love PE. So, Mr. Pritchard, Jason Pritchard is. is is my teacher who I remember. So enjoy it. It's, it's hard work. You do put in a lot of hours. You do stress a lot about it, but you are in such a privileged position. And um, if you enforce the golden rule and treat others how you want to be treated and instill that in people, then you've nailed it. So, yeah.
0: I think to just wrap up that they are... They're not adults, they're not mini adults. You can't expect them to do what they did in practice three days ago without mm. constant reinforcement, without it becoming a habit, without their passion and love for the game really growing. Otherwise, they're just turning up to take part in another activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that if you take away everything from this discussion of your focus on them as individuals, engaging them and and encouraging them to love the game beyond what they do with you for 45 minutes to 90 minutes once or twice or three times a week that you can really help them grasp the game love the game Mm -hmm. and in turn i think you'll start seeing performances improve or Mm -hmm. victories will start coming which will reinforce the hard work that you do with your players sure tom thank you mate thanks man yeah man man. (laughs) After we finished recording, Tom and I continued our conversation briefly and made mention of the fact that a lot of children are learning bad habits, and we decided it would be key to to offer up a little bit of advice to every youth parent, which is that when you take your child out to play, or if you have a ball in your house or in your backyard, encourage them to dribble and to manipulate the ball. Passing back and forth is what you'll see a lot of parents doing, but actually, They're learning to kick the ball when everything that Tom mentions there and everything he puts into his own sessions, and and I'm sure there are many coaches who do the same thing, where they want to encourage their children to be able to dribble and to be comfortable on the ball. Tom's entire season plan is just to make sure that every player is comfortable on the ball. So encourage them to have the ball at their feet and to dribble and to move the ball. To support that, there is a program called Soccer Starts at Home, created and and driven by a gentleman named Tom Bayer. I've had the privilege of talking with Tom a couple of times, and he's very active on Twitter and a lot of social media in pushing out the idea of your players having the ball at their feet. Not kicking the ball back and forth, but being brave and being confident with the ball at their feet. So check out Tom Bayer. You can find him online on Twitter. is generally where he, he publishes a lot of his material. But then also check out my own YouTube too, Lee Dunn Soccer. That's where I have the videos that I make for the players where I perform a skill with my GoPro and then edit it with some cool music and then send it out to my players. So again, you can find that on YouTube and it's a great little tool just to share... And encourage your players to begin to love the game and develop a passion for it. Because when they're successful, when they're having fun with the ball, is generally when we're going to find them loving the game more and more. So thank you again for listening to today. Another thank you to TacticalPad for providing the access to the software for you to create those gifts for your players and for yourself. So thank you, Tactical Pad, And thank you to Tom especially for him attending and being part of today's show. Thanks and more material from Heads and Volley's coming soon.